<laughs> All right, welcome to Unmask the Podcast. We are here with head instructor <laughs> Jason Kessler. He owns uh, Fisher's BJJ and Boxing, and you also run the Taekwondo. Well, Young runs the Taekwondo. Yeah, correct. I mean, it was, um, we opened in '95. I had uh, partners. So I had one partner at the time. I took on more partners and opened up more facilities. And um, over the years, um, people have kind of went their own directions with those academies. <clears throat> A couple of them have closed. We merged, um, you know, here in 2000. And my uh, partner at the time, um, we, there were two. Of, there were there were two of us originally. Then there were three. And we bought out one of the original uh, partners in 2002, maybe 2003. And then I bought out my other partner in about 2008, I believe. Um, and it has been just mine since then. So yeah, I started with Taekwondo and that was my main thing. I was doing Taekwondo and running a Taekwondo Academy when I started Jiu Jitsu in 1999. Dang. So you so the the school opened in '95. Correct. So how long have you been doing martial arts then? I had done martial arts just a little bit before we decided to open. So my role when we opened was not to teach or coach or instruct. <clears throat> in '95, um, I was helping with the business side of it and helping with the organizational uh, thing and, and really just kind of doing some counter stuff and assisting here and there where needed. I still had a full time job. Um, I was running. I was a general manager of a restaurant at the time, which is how I met that partner originally. And uh, I quickly transitioned into helping with classes. Um, and then I think it was 90, I think it was 98 when I took over the Nobleville location full time. Okay. General manager of a restaurant? Yeah. Which one? My, <laughs> Which that was, one? That was my that was my uh, that was my life's plan actually. So I um, <clears throat> I had about uh, fourteen jobs from the time I was thirteen until I was sixteen. Um, I was horrible at keeping jobs, and then I was dating a girl that uh, she wasn't allowed to date me unless I had a job. <laughs> so so I kept a job, and then I soon realized which I try to get people to understand that restaurant businesses is, um, there's a lot of things about the restaurant business, but at, at, it's so easy to get promoted and get raises mm-hmm. and, um, you know, move forward and, and, and upward in a restaurant position because a lot of the people, at least from my experience, um, they, a lot of people don't, they're not good workers. They don't work hard when they're at work they don't come in, uh, you know, like, you ain't lying. <laughs> yeah, my, my restaurant, and my restaurant history from the time I was 16, why I took it seriously, um, before I moved here when I was 20, so in four years, I believe it had been less than two times. It might have been twice that I couldn't go to work because I was sick, um, and then when I lived here in Indy, I did not miss a day of work. Um, uh, for the first, I think, uh, three years that I was here. And then because I was helping to do the, the Taekwondo school and, and all the other stuff, I kind of started to lose focus on that and then, you know, transitioned over fully to doing the academy and, and uh, left restaurant stuff behind. 
yeah, kind of similar for me. Yeah, I, I used to go to work and never miss a day, and I, I still, for the most part, don't. But I'm more likely to now because right. <laughs> I've seen what uh, companies like that end up doing to people. You know, you're a good worker and you don't get the good raises still. And <laughs> there, there, there is a history of, of uh, people being taken for granted by companies. And, you know, I think for me, I think one of the biggest things is being a manager for people that were in restaurants. I would encourage people if they're in that situation to talk to their manager or boss or you know, someone along the line. Because sometimes it can happen that you take people for granted and you don't really realize that you're taking them for granted because you think they're happy and you think things are going well and you know they're just doing their job and they're doing their thing and they're nice people but you don't really understand that they're they're not real happy with their situation you know whether it's their schedule or whether it's their pay their benefits their co-workers whatever it is yeah you know i mean i would encourage people to just have open communication i think that that's probably one of my the, the thing i try to do here with with the Jiu-Jitsu Academy now, you know, with Taekwondo Academy, but you know, a lot of that experience came from the restaurant stuff because back in the day, <clears throat> people would just complain, complain, complain. When I was a regular worker, we'd all complain about everything and not tell anybody, so nothing would ever get fixed. Mm-hmm. So when I started to be a manager, I was like, well, yeah, you know, let's talk to the people that are above us, kind of thing. And it did, it did in a lot of cases help the issues that were that were being complained about not in every case and so when I started running my own um, restaurant I actually was like that was one of the first things I said and tried to stay on it was like you know hey you know if you guys have problems please come talk to me that's why I say in here I don't know if you guys have ever heard it but I talk about the Jiu Jitsu Academy and your teammates about there's basically a relationship and a relationship can't survive without communication so if you're not going to communicate with your coaches, your teammates, at some point that relationship's gonna deteriorate. Yeah. Legit. Yeah, I agree. But so you were in the restaurant business for when did you start like competing in martial arts? Um, I believe the first time I competed was um, in ninety five. We opened up <clears throat> Sorry, I'm starting with the Taekwondo thing there. I was a uh, yellow belt. We went to a national tournament, I believe, in North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, uh, I don't even remember how I did, but there's no sparring <laughs> or no contact in yellow belt, so okay. I'm just out there doing my stuff. Like kind of something like that. Yeah, okay. yeah, you got one stabs and then forms. And uh, you know, but the thing was with with uh, the thing was with martial arts, like I. I'd always kind of blown it off before. Like, I had tried stuff, and I had done some stuff with friends, and I had done some stuff at some random schools, but never really latched onto it um, for a lot of reasons. But I think as I've gotten older, I realized that a lot of the reasons I did not latch onto it was just out of uh, ignorant pride, you know, at the time. Like, I don't need this. I can fight, you know. I, 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 had, I had some some uh, issues growing up so I was like I know how to fight you know and, mm-hmm. but then when you're around real fighters when you're around real people that have trained for a long time you realize yeah I don't really know <laughs> yeah well that's <laughs> why people like it at work have asked me and I'm like dude I'm no don't ask me about it I'm not I'm not tough like people 
people beat the shit out of me in this gym all the time, you know? <laughs> I, I think that's the thing, is like, I, I, what got me into martial arts originally, or it was for friends, because they, hey, can you help me open up this, this Taekwondo Academy? I was like, yeah, that'll be cool, I'll help out, and, you know, whatever. I'll do some classes here or there, <clears throat> didn't really think about it too much, and uh, I really honestly kind of hated it for about two weeks. Uh, maybe three weeks. I hated the formality of it. I hated the bowing. I hated yes sir, no sir. I hated, you know, all the stuff that comes along with that. And it had never been anything that I'd been around. <clears throat> what made me stick with it, though, was the perfection of just simple things. Well, my, my, my original instructor was an amazing technician. So to watch him kick, you're just like, good Lord, I want to do that. That's impossible. Right? <laughs> yes, and he wasn't overly flexible, so it wasn't like a straight-up-in-the-air kick, but it was, he was not flexible for, like, a martial artist, but very flexible for a normal person, right? Easily could kick in the head, um, but wasn't like a straight-up-in-the-air kicker, right? Like, the guys that I've known that have always been athletically gifted in Taekwondo, are usually the sloppiest technicians. Um, they can just throw their foot wherever they want, so there's not any technique to get there. Um, he was uh, just very powerful, very, very um, pretty technique as well. So it was something that I wanted to aspire to. So just the basic the basic front kick or the side kick, like our, the, the, the white belt kicks were front kick, side kick, crest kick. So I realized really fast because they're really easy kicks, but when you watch someone who really knows how to do it and then can break it down and tell you like how you're getting power in these kicks, you realize, man, my kick really stunk. <laughs> and it's not an easy process to get better at it, you know? So about the third week or so of, of doing Taekwondo, for some reason I found myself just doing it constantly just practicing on my own, like shaping my foot and doing all sorts of things just to try to get better at what it was that I was doing. And I think that's <clears throat> that's what kind of pulled me in. And then the, what kept me were the relationships with the people that I got to know at martial arts. Those are two of the most important things is people, people in general want to be good at something and want to get better at things. Right. And if you fall in love with it, you know, it's... And yeah, then you have friends that pull you in, like, hey, why the hell weren't you here? Yeah. Why'd you miss Wednesday? You know, yeah. and they're like, uh, I had a thing. No, you didn't. I think pull you in is actually what you meant, is guilt you to coming back. Well, I mean, yeah. but it's it's been a good thing, you know? Yeah. Like, Right. I think that was one of the things, like, you bring that up, it reminds me of um, one of the guys we used to have here, Ryan Morrell. I don't think you ever met him, but um, he's been gone for a while now. Time goes by so fast for me sometimes, but... Um, he's a purple belt now. Um, honestly, probably should be a brown belt by now, I think, or, or should be right there. But he's been, I think, a little bit not as into it as he was for a while. But he's still doing it, I, I believe. Last time I talked, I talked to him. We just talked yesterday, the day before yesterday. But it's about his barbecuing skills. <laughs> but uh, but uh, <clears throat> great guy. And uh, when he started, it was funny because uh, we had just expanded over um, like around 2010-ish um, we had not been up uh, been open very long on this side I had been teaching since um, you know 2003 2004 but I say officially 2005 
um, because that's when I picked up people that were kind of outside of the Taekwondo because I was teaching Jiu-Jitsu to Taekwondo people basically and <clears throat> he came in he pulled up and uh, he told me the story a, year, a couple years later just like you know he was yeah he was I he sends me messages all the time actually that are really nice and stuff but he second guessed coming in because when we had opened we didn't have a sign so there was no sign out front um, I was on the tail end of blue belt at the time when he first came in so I was <clears throat> I was a four straight blue belt um, and he called his friend who was a purple belt somewhere and he's like man I'm not going in here they don't have a sign they're next to a karate school and this dude's just a blue belt and his friend told him he's like well are you a blue belt and he was like no he's like well then he knows more than you he goes, get your ass in there. <laughs> and that was the conversation they had in the parking lot. And he's like, I, he goes, I've thanked him a bunch for making me come in that day. He goes, because yeah. it was great. And he's like, you know, and, um, <clears throat> he, but it was, the reason I brought that up is because what you were saying about guilting people in and all this other stuff, he would constantly text people. Um, he would do social media stuff all the time where he would like set the timer up and then take a picture of himself on the mat just by himself because nobody showed up to class. Because at the time, a big class for us was like 10 people, you know, yeah. maybe maybe yeah. maybe 11 or 12. So there were times where, you know, a normal class would be five or six people. So he'd show up to class and there'd be nobody here. And so he'd be, you know, always pushing people, pushing people. And I feel like he was a large reason why, you know, people started to try to be here more often. And then once people were here more often, they pulled in other people that were like, oh, there's a good group of guys here. So then, then you know, you, you'll pull in other people. And it just kind of grew, grows like that. But I think that it's, it's somewhat necessary, especially for um, a newer school, to have some people, if not at least one person like that, that, that really motivates or guilts everybody into being there. <laughs> we'll, say, we'll call it motivate. <laughs> yeah, uh, to, to be there because... <clears throat> because um, uh, you know, I, I, you cannot get better um, at jujitsu, like ultimately where you want to go, without other people, right? Like, you just can't do it solo, um, and it's really difficult, in my opinion, for people to want to stick with jujitsu for the pure sake of jujitsu, right? Like, if there were no personalities in the gym at yeah. all, how many people? Like zero. Like you're working out, you're doing jujitsu, you're doing it with someone, but. There's no conversation. There's no right. coaching. There's no personality on the mats. There's no atmosphere, right? Yeah. I don't know that people would stick with jujitsu for very long because it's a pretty soul crushing sport as it's a whole. It's an incredibly <laughs> soul crushing yeah. sport. Yeah. But it's but it, I tell you all the time, you know, it, it's 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 one of the most frustrating things you'll ever do. But it's when you start clicking with it, when you start to understand it a little bit, when you start to find your place. And jiu-jitsu it's honestly the the most rewarding thing you'll ever do so yeah it's I, just hard to get there sometimes i had that conversation yeah. with a, a new person I, I think they maybe been at it a month or something like that and they're like yeah i i hit two submissions this week and i was like <laughs> it's kind of fun when you start to get dish it out right because they're they're, all, they're like you're gonna get your ass kicked a lot and then eventually like maybe six months down the road you're gonna be like oh i hit that sweep finally or i finally hit that submission oh shit <laughs> maybe it was on the uh, a day one person but you you finally landed something and then it starts you know 
tables are turned a little bit. And I think that's the hard part about jujitsu, depending upon where you're at, is, is sometimes if, if you're at a like I think that was one of the reasons we had trouble growing initially at first. We were a very MMA heavy gym, so we had guys that you know were training because and and there's I'm not I don't mean it in a negative way, but um, you know fighters as a whole have to be somewhat self centered, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're the ones going in there putting on lines one on one and you know they could get hurt um so they do tend to sometimes some fighters tend to get better at someone else's expense you know i've been at gym before where you've got pro fighters that just beat the crap out of people that have less than three to six months experience that shouldn't happen right um and if you're in a if you're in an academy where everybody kind of knows what they're doing and everybody is working on and having a goal. Sometimes it's 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 so long before you have that positive day or that positive moment that you just quit. You know, you're like, this is just not for me. Um, it was funny because I just had somebody ask me on Saturday um, who had trained a long time ago somewhere else, and I hadn't noticed that they really don't haven't rolled very much i've seen them roll a couple of times here and there in the last um they were here just before the the covid break and then you know they've been back since and they um they they had asked me they're like so can i ask you a question and i'm like sure and he's like well i don't really understand the the rolling here and i'm like what do you mean he's like well every other gym i've been at before people are just trying to kill you he goes, and here, it seems like people are kind of working together. And I'm like, well, <clears throat> I think it's both, right? So, like, let's pick around the room. And I think at the time, there were there were probably nine sets of people, maybe ten sets of people. Um, and I said, and, and a round had just ended. So I was watching who was matching up, and I said, okay, these two guys right here, guarantee you they're going to take it easy. Oh, Let's watch these two guys over here because I guarantee you they're going to try to take each other's head off. <laughs> and, and, and it was pretty much, you know, these guys start off really slow, but it's about 25, 35 seconds in, and it's, the pace picks up really quick, right? <clears throat> and I said, you know, my, my big thing is, is that um, there, there's, two ways, there, there's two ways to roll, right? So one is going to be where you're going to slow things down and think things through, try to work on the technique and the, and the problem-solving of jiu-jitsu. And then the other is <clears throat> that you are going to be much more reactionary, right? So you're going to be more aggressive. And, and by default, when you're aggressive, if you don't know jujitsu, it's going to be very reactionary. And, and a lot of times your reaction is going to be incorrect because you're not thinking through the problem. Mm-hmm. You're just like, ah, you, you mean know. Like when I would bite B because I had no yeah. idea what she first started. I get her in the rear mount seatbelt grip and I get bit. What the fuck? <laughs> Exactly, exactly like that. And, and I think that that's where people, um, people get really frustrated, you know, when, when, they, when they come in. If they're not, if they, if they end up rolling with someone who um, is, is better than them, but is not that much better than them, and they come in and they're really aggressive, the person who's slightly better than them just is really aggressive with them back, and it's a struggle, 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 and then they get submitted, right? Whereas if there was someone who's a lot better than them, they kind of ride the wave of aggression, yeah. you know, put them in a, in a spot where they can kind of ease on a submission 
um, or let them work a little bit depending upon who it is. But I think that's the thing is like my big thing is is that you have to have those aggressive roles if you've got something coming up, right? So if you know jiu-jitsu and you've got a game plan and you've, you've got down where you're good and, and places you were really trying to avoid and those kind of things, rolling more aggressive is good. You have to, right? You have to get those hard rounds in. But in the learning process, or if you have zero coming up, like there's nothing on the horizon for you competition-wise or goal-wise, you need to create goals for yourself, right? So I've got to get better at defending this position. I've got to get better at passing this guard. I've got to get better at you submitting from here. I've got to get, you know, those kind of things. I think <clears throat> I try to, it's super cheesy, but I try to, I always tell everybody have a goal for your role, which is like, every time I say it, I cringe slightly. But, <laughs> but it's, yeah. you were just smiling. Right I mean, now. You, yeah. so it's happy. probably a hashtag somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But if you, but if you're, but if you're not creating a goal for yourself, ultimately you're just treading water. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, if you're getting beaten on a regular basis treading water, you're having a miserable experience. If you're getting beaten, but you feel like, man, I was trying to defend this position. He didn't submit me until the third minute, right? That's a, that's a huge success for you at that point in time, right? Because if that wasn't your goal and you were just everywhere, when he gets you to that position, you're not focused on it. You're probably getting submitted much quicker, right? And so you just feel defeated all the time. So, regardless of what the goal is, I think that it's important. And I think that that's how I try to get people to to see jujitsu. Is you know you need those those reactive roles, but if you're not building up to those with thoughtful problem solving roles, um, where things slow down a little bit, and and um, you're not really working with your partner necessarily. Um, but you're not trying to shut down every little thing that they do either, right? Like you'll, you know, if, if you're talking about a guard pass, you know, a brand new person, they put you in guard and they just, everything's 100% like, yeah. they suck you in, right? And they're afraid to move. Yeah. And the more experienced someone is, they'll open their guard up, they'll let you start working, and then they'll be like, yeah, that's far enough. And then they'll pull you back into the guard position and let you start working all over again, or they'll start working a different type of guard, you know. Um, and I think that that's, that's um, the more comfortable that you get in a position, the further you should let get people get to either passing or submitting or work their defense before you really start getting in there. Like, you know, if, if you're working on rear naked chokes, you shouldn't be going behind somebody and trying to catch the rear naked choke on your back entry and catching them by surprise. I mean, if you're in a competition, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> but if you're learning, get back there and control the position first, right? Like, be good at controlling the position. Be good at controlling the situation and start inserting your initial direction of choke, right? Whatever that is. <clears throat> and then start feeding off of that initial direction of choke, saying, well, this is very, very rarely working for me. Why is that? So start problem solving and troubleshooting and ask your coach and ask your teammates and, and basically start building upon that original direction. And you can't do that if you're going 100 miles an hour. Yeah. I definitely had to learn how to, like, ask my coach questions, which I didn't until COVID. And we started doing Zoom classes. And then I was like, oh, I don't feel like everyone's looking at me. I can just be like, hey, <laughs> I don't understand this. Or it was a weird, like really almost good 
experience because then I got to know you guys and you know it was a whole big branch out from where I was my very small it's hard for me to it's hard for me to say that anything positive came from that but I agree but I agree that there were situations that arose off of that that ended up being positive um, you know when it's all said and done but as far as that goes I do think that um, one of the biggest things I hear from people all the time is well I don't want to ask a dumb question right because they're brand new and they've got brown belts and black belts and and purple belts and blue belts around them and you know the thing is is that there are dumb questions I'm not going to say there are no dumb questions there absolutely (laughs) are dumb questions but that being said in jujitsu everybody's been there so they're more understanding and the majority of the time people are not asking dumb questions I guarantee you if you ask a class in a normal Monday night jiu-jitsu class, you ask a question, <clears throat> there is at least, I would say, at least in our academy, there's at least two or three other guys that are in the exact same spot as you and are like, man, I'm glad he asked it because I wasn't going to ask it. Yeah. And, and then there's, a, there's, there's at least four or five people in there that could answer the question just as good as the coach running the class. You know? <clears throat> but they don't, but, they, but they're, not, they're not aggravated that you ask the question. Like, they understand, you know, like, I, I think, um, and that's another thing that I try to get going here is that the, the upper belts work with everybody because it, it, not only because it builds a relationship, but more so for them, it improves their jiu-jitsu. Yeah, Eric and I were talking about that because I was like, I think me teaching someone specifically for me, it always helps because I have to slow everything down and explain it in detail, which helps me remember details that I absolutely forget. I like it when I, I catch somebody with something and they ask me, like, what do I do to defend that? So then we can go back, okay, this is where exactly where we were, and then work off of that. Right. I agree. But, yeah, I mean, yes, COVID was terrible and <clears throat> very frustrating, but it did definitely allow me to meet it, people yeah. and, like, come up here and... My jiu technique went, like, <laughs> honestly, it got a lot better in a short amount of time. Good. Yeah. So... So we'll take that as Because it's topic. kind of what we had to focus on was technique because we weren't getting out right. to roll. And- well, and I think that we also, too, like from our, our perspective from Eric and I, it was it was good. Um, you know, he had opened up a few months earlier and uh, we were trying to stay connected. <clears throat> but, you know, it's easy to kind of we're doing our own thing yeah. because you're focused on your academy, you know. Um, and so I, I was trying to go down there. Uh, well, I was going down there every other week when all this kind of happened on, on Monday mornings. I think <clears throat> I think as we move forward, and, and we haven't gotten back to it yet because he just went back to normal yeah. schedule two weeks ago, a week ago. I think it was a week. A week, ago. yeah. It's not been very long. So um, I think what I want to do is is um, is, is uh, find another time to head down there. Um, like every other week, like do a morning one week, but do an evening another week. Because I think <clears throat> they're going to be definitely different people that you're going to yeah, see, you know. Yeah, um, and by only going to the mornings, I kind of lock myself into only meeting a certain group of yeah. people. Yeah, you but, would miss us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, now you're there now in the mo- both morning and night. Yeah, right? yeah. until August. Yeah. And, yep. Yeah. And then I do come up here. You have not been up here as much as Brandon. 
but uh, Brandon's here. Brandon's here at least a couple times a week. It seems like so. <laughs> it's just I hit Fridays at least, at the very least. Yeah. I get my nogi on. I'm very excited. We're getting Tuesday nogi back in the evening. Yes, that is very <laughs> exciting. I'm glad we get that. That's an interesting question. So I'll bring that up <clears throat> since this is obviously not my podcast. I'll ask the question anyway. Yes, please ask. So, so what is it that you like about the nogi? thing like I'm curious as um and before you answer I'll, I'll give you my <clears throat> history of the gi when I started I thought the gi was kind of niche and cool right oh look at this this is cool um but <clears throat> not very long later I was like I hate the gi I can't stand it and um we'll talk about why and then as I got deep and deeper into purple belt I absolutely loved the gi and kind of got rid of um wanted to do no gi right <clears throat> so because when we first expanded over I was doing half my classes were no gi and half my classes were gi and I do find that as we get deeper into this you know there are people that that do ask about it want it but at the same time from my experience running half and half we were you know just always kind of maintaining and as soon as I said all classes are in the gi within two months we doubled, more than doubled in size like it was crazy so <clears throat> and I think the uniformity of it not the uniform I'm actually saying the uniformity <laughs> I think the standardization of what it is that you the expectation of what you bring to class with you actually kind of helped a little bit right um, but we were still pretty small then you know I mean we weren't <clears throat> and and um Social media was not even as big of a thing, really. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it it wasn't. <clears throat> so I think I think the, the the time has changed for that. Obviously, like the reasoning behind that. But um, but I, I'm curious because I went through that same thing where I I hated the gi um, up until purple belt, but not at purple. I, that was probably the three stripe purple belt before I really wanted to do gi all the time. And after that, it's just been like I I I do like to roll no gi every now and then. But definitely sporadically, and I, I, and I, I'm, I don't do a class without the gi. Uh, for, well, for me, <clears throat> short answer, laundry. Um, <laughs> but you nah. still have to do wash your rash guard and your shorts. Yeah, but no, like, like two gis is like one <clears throat> full load on two, top of Two a days for three, side. for two people? Yeah. <laughs> no, like, it's, it's, I mean, that's, that's a small niche, but I don't hate the gi. I'm like 60-40. And... <laughs> <clears throat> me, I'm sixty forty. Um, I like. The, I mean, for me, it's like it's part of its athleticism because I, I like the athleticism of being able to move in and out of stuff faster, and it's easier to get out of shit. And that, and like, I always like Sarah and I are tiny, so like everybody in the class is a gargantuan. It always seems like so I'm always rolling with these huge dudes, and it's like for me, I've always had better luck rolling with bigger people in the nogi. Because they can't just grab my gi and just put all 200 pounds on my chest, you know. Part of it. Um, and then sometimes, too, give my grips a break. Because, especially when the newer people just grab and just rip your hands off of it, you know. And it's like, fuck, man. Like, <laughs> there's been times, like, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. you, you grapple long enough, your fingers are sometimes <clears throat> cramped up after class, and sometimes your wrists get beat up. And so, that, you know. For me, it's yeah, it's mostly an athletic thing. 
Like, it's hot. Too. You're like, yeah. you're like, it's sweaty. It's, like, I like just it. like being to steal the phrase from Tommy Fickles. Like, I like being naked. Like, I like the feeling of being without a key. It just feels like a straight jacket. So, here's my my thing on the key, <laughs> <clears throat> and I don't dis- I don't discount what you say. I, what you say is not really wrong. Here's my thing about doing gi and nogi in classes, right? Um, somebody had asked about a nogi thing uh, one night. I can't remember. And I'm like, you realize none of the stuff that I taught tonight used the gi, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, we're wearing gis. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't you can matter. wear whatever you want. That doesn't mean that we're using mm-hmm. it, right? Like I did, I, did a, I did a whole week where we focused on getting the heel hooks. We wore gi every night. And every night I said, you cannot heel hook in the gi. Don't forget that, right? But we didn't use lapel or sleeves for any of the entries. I didn't use pant legs for any of the entries. It was all no gi grips, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it was two-on-ones, collar ties, you know, coming under, rolling under, inverting, um, you know, using hooks and everything to get there. And no gi grips once we get there. So my thing is, is that in a class... If, I'm, if everybody wears a gi to a class, right, I can teach you the no-gi version of it mm-hmm. as well as the gi version of it, and we can do different variations of the exact same technique and get more drill time in on the same technique and still make it more interesting as opposed to, <clears throat> you know, having to be stuck in one direction, you know. Now, for my personal opinion on the gi, I realized what I hated about the gi, and that's why I wanted to ask you. I hated the fact that people could hold me in one spot. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing I was going to say. Is like I like being able to slide out of things. Yeah. I like being able to like bring in the power of sweat into my escapes. And <laughs> so, so I I I, I uh, understand your defensive <laughs> point of view there. Um, <clears throat> But I will say that I think a couple things about that. Number one, I think that for me, realizing that I hated that. And so you guys have heard me tell the story. I feel like everybody that's been around me at any point in time has heard me tell the story. That the reason that I end up playing turtle a lot by default is is because when I'm lazy, that's where I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason I'm comfortable there is because the one thing I could not stand when I started jiu-jitsu was I could not stand people getting behind me. <clears throat> I was, I felt like I had a chance if I could face you, right? Like you arm bar me, I could take it. Not the case in every in, in, in every situation, right? But you know that's your mindset. But when people are behind you, and you're like reaching back behind you, realizing, well, that's not doing any good. So then you go to take their legs out, and then they're choking the crap out of you. And you go to pull their arm down, and they just engage their hips and just suck you back. And you're like, man. I could not stand people being behind me and taking my back and choking me out. <clears throat> so I set about trying to get better at that. And I spent about three years, basically every role, most every role, letting people take my back. Um, and it, it was very important to me that I didn't hate that feeling, you know. Um, <clears throat> and what's happened with what's happened with the gi was the same thing I think was I hated the feeling of being bound up and bound in and 
I focused on being comfortable with people's grips. Like if you you guys have done takedowns with me, I think my my favorite single leg, double leg entries that branch into other things all work off of a generic lapel and sleeve grip that the other person has, and I do not break it. I work within that framework. <clears throat> um, and we can go to both sides, we can duck under, we can do all sorts of other things, but I'm not breaking the grip. I do not require that they, oh, I gotta get this hand over here off, or I've gotta block that grip first, or well, it can't be holding here, or I can't do my thing. Like that, that frustrates me. So that's why <clears throat> my takedown game for the Gi is pretty much just grab wherever you're gonna grab. I'm gonna adjust using grips as well and I'm gonna try to get to my takedown first, right? Or defend yours and get to mine. Um, <clears throat> and I enjoy that part of the key. Like I enjoy um, people um, trying to pin you in and pull you and whatever. And in my opinion, the technical frames that you're gonna make, like how you're gonna block the, the, the lapel pull, right? Um, it's not like just pulling back because you're going to lose that battle every single time, right? Yeah. It's where you put your hips. It's where you put your knees. It's where you put your frames. It's how you start to come up. And being able to posture up in that position <clears throat> is way more technical than, you know, just popping up, you know. Um, the other thing about that is, is that what you were saying is you like to slide out and use the power of sweat. That's exactly why I don't like nosy anymore is, <laughs> is because is because for me like if I let's say I do escape something like let's say I'm using I slip out of something there's absolutely zero connection with us as I slip out so now we're in a scramble mm -hmm. and the order that I get unless you want to scramble I am too. not as fast as I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago so <clears throat> I want to reduce the amount of scrambling so whenever I escape they have a connection to me that's awesome because that means i have a connection to you that means i know where you're at that means i know where you're shifting to i can read it better and i'm not in as much of a scramble so <clears throat> so that's that's for me why I, I i think i like and i think that it's it's uh it's frustrating for new people because there's so much anyway yeah. <laughs> now you had on the fact I, that i agree that it's better for for new people to do the key. Like, you know well, I think it's a lot for them. I do. I think it's overwhelming. But I think if you try to break it down, it can be. It's easier for them to do grips. Mm -hmm. But new people that, because I did more nogi when I started, but, and so I'm like, so I never had a problem transitioning. Necessarily, right from gi to nogi, yeah. nogi to gi. Like. I started with the gi. The first time I did nogi was a random comp training. I went to it at Clingerman's, and they were like, "Oh, it's nogi day," and I was like. <laughs> okay, and like it actually like, I was, you know, I was maybe a one-stripe white belt, maybe two. So like it was the first time I did nogi really, but it actually like translated really well because I mean the grips aren't that hard to figure out. No, you know, just. <clears throat> well, that's the thing. I think like that's why I like doing a class in the gi when you're covering all of your grips, right? Mm -hmm. Like we did butterfly stuff. Like when we talk about butterfly, we're talking about passing butterfly, we're talking about butterfly sweeps, we're talking about entries mm -hmm. to stuff. Um, butterfly a couple weeks ago, and we went over the initial grip of I'm on the lapel and I'm on the sleeve, right? We went over the lapel to the pant, 
split over from the lapel to the underhook, <clears throat> collar tie, collar tie to the underhook, you know, two on ones, two on one with an invert. Like, so basically doing all those different things and, and, and trying to clearly identify, I don't want to grab the gi or he doesn't have a gi on. I'm going to go here. Right. Mm-hmm. Right after talking about the lapel grip that we had and the sleeve grip. So, okay, there's no lapel. I'm going to grab a collar tie right here, right? And the collar tie is not there. I'm putting my hand under the arm here. <clears throat> Just kind of hitting different directions. And I think the ultimate goal for me, for most people, is to understand what it is that they're doing, right? Like, I think <clears throat> some people like this analogy. I don't know, uh, you know, if, 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 you know, some people will get it or not. But the, but the thing that I talk about is it's like a, it's like painting a picture. So you're brand new to painting. I'm going to give you a canvas with ones, twos, threes, fours, and lines all over it. And I'm going to have my canvas. I'm going to say, okay, paint all the ones blue. Let's paint all the twos red and all the threes yellow. And by the time we're done, we come up with a picture, right? <clears throat> and then as we get better and you come back to that position and you start to understand the position, the goal is you've got the same canvas in front of you with the lines, but no more numbers. And I'm painting the space and you're just kind of following with me. And then eventually I stop painting and you're okay blues were here and you start piecing together the picture without the numbers and then the eventual goal is you get a blank canvas no lines no numbers and you come up with your own variation of the exact same picture things are not going to be exactly the same proportion things are not going to be the exact same shade but that's because it's your jiu-jitsu it's not mine right it's not someone else's and you know there are there are definite things that may need to be correct and there are definitely things that are not correct in jiu-jitsu <clears throat> but when you've only got uh, you know I don't I, I'm not very good but let's say you've got a two foot long leg right like I don't know how long like, legs are typically you, you know like, <laughs> you, got, you've got a, you got a really short leg right yeah. so if you've got a if you've got like a two foot long leg it's and your opponent yeah, and your opponent has a three and a half foot long leg it is going to be you're going to have to change certain things in certain positions. Yes. It's, it's unavoidable, right? Yes. So if you just follow along with the paint by numbers and just, okay, I'm going to do step one, two, three, four, and that's all you ever do, when you go to actually use it, it's probably going to fail the majority of the time. So you have to start figuring out how you adjust for your body type and your strengths and your weaknesses. Yeah. Lacey and I talked about that. Had her on the podcast, and it was just like we were really glad that you were able to at least point that out. To Wait us. a minute. So am I like the last person to be no, on this podcast? No, <laughs> no, we've got we've got many. We're gonna do. <laughs> so I feel so, like everybody's been okay. on here. I had during March because it was Women's Month. I had uh, Lacey <clears throat> and Kate and Em on. When's Native American Month? Why didn't you have? Me I don't on? know when it is. You tell me. You're the Native American. <laughs> Anyway, when is Native American? Oh my God! I was gonna pay you a compliment, but I'm taking it back. Never mind. It's in November. Okay, so okay, November, so November we'll do on. another broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it says. That's what Google says. Anyway, I have no idea if that's correct. Oh, of course, thanks. Thanksgiving's, Thanksgiving's in November. Okay, yeah. perfect. Oh, that makes sense. That's right. That makes sense. 
Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be now a Thanksgiving episode. I didn't even think about it until Brandon said it. <laughs> um, but no, like, because, but I remember, like, coming in and trying to do, I think it was an ankle lug or something, and you kept being like, damn it, you're so short. I'm like, I know, like, you don't have to tell me. But that being said, at least you were able to, like, uh, at least you were able to, like, help me understand why it wasn't working like what I had to do because when you're in the position you just you can it's hard to see from a different angle well and that's that's why um I had sent uh, or, or talked to I had hooked up Lacey and, and Kyle uh Thompson from from up at Ghana because he's not overly long and lanky <clears throat> and he's consistently competed against guys that are a lot longer yeah. and bigger than him um and so I wanted her to get a different, like, um, point of view on the leg lock game, right? Um, <clears throat> and just have some different variations and some different options and, and, and things like that. Um, and so I think I think that that's that's um, something that you have to realize is 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 a is a real thing in jujitsu. Is if you're a really big guy, there are things you can't do. Yeah. If you're a really small person. There are, real, there are things you can't do. Yeah. So, and especially when you consider the person in front of you, right? Yes. <clears throat> so I think it just depends, but um, that's, that's, I think, something that as you, as you, one of the problem-solving things of jiu-jitsu, right? I think <clears throat> while I'm, I'm not a really big guy, I mean, I know I'm big compared to you two. You were. But I am, <laughs> I am absolutely the two never the biggest. I am never the biggest guy in class. So, I mean, let's just say that. Me um, neither. Yeah. So, so the but the but the thing is, is that um, real quick, I'll mention this because I, I I feel bad for some of those guys, and I don't talk about it enough. But in my opinion, it's really difficult for big guys yeah. to get going and enjoy jujitsu yeah. because people just bitch about how big they are, mm-hmm. and if they get a submission, people just bitch. Well, you only got it because you're big, right? And they take away any sort of satisfaction yeah. of learning jujitsu from these big guys, right? <clears throat> they can't help that they're big. I mean, you know what I mean? And and there are big guys that I know that will not use their size as much as, like, they try to negate their size and how they play the game when they're training, right? But they're still 330 pounds. They're still 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, I mean, they're still... <laughs> You grab a hold of their arm and you're like, yeah, that's not a normal size arm. <laughs> you know? That's a, we're not that's a club. Else out. <clears throat> they all, like, also at the same time, like when you're really small <clears throat> and people just like say things. And again, we were talking about this. Lacey and I were talking about this about how like when they're like, well, I just got that. If you were bigger, I wouldn't have gotten that. And you're like, but you did it. Like you did fine. Like I'm not. I didn't say that. You said that. And I'm like, or I didn't defend it enough like you know what I mean and I don't know I I definitely have that problem like trying to figure out where especially being new er that like where is this was this a fault in my you know game and my technique or was it just because I'm there? you know what I mean so <clears throat> well I think that in that situation when you're the one of the newer people in a training room you're going to run into all sorts of problems. Oh, yeah. And size is one of those, right? But <clears throat> there are really small guys in jiu-jitsu 
that negate bigger guys really well, right? <clears throat> now, you know, the big thing about jujitsu, and again, it's my opinion. Hopefully, I'm not going to get hate messages or whatever. Like, I don't want to. Don't. If anyone sends you hate messages, I will. Yeah. Direct them towards that. us. So, my thing, my thing is, is that, you know, people. So, in, in the whole jujitsu game, everybody always, or whatever sport of jujitsu, I guess, the big thing has always been size doesn't matter, right? Like, the yes. whole reason to do jujitsu is because it gives the smaller guy an advantage. And while I'm not saying that's not true, it really depends upon the amount of training that the other person has as well. So if you take two people who are equally trained and have the same, like, physical attributes as far as flexibility and things like that, size and strength start to make a difference, right? When you have a guy, just on the other side of that, you've got a, you know, blue belt who's got some experience. You know, they've, they've maybe won a tournament or peer placed in a tournament and well. They understand jiu-jitsu for a blue belt. They're doing well. And they get a new guy in the gym that outweighs them by 120 pounds. And it's just eight inches taller than they are there's a huge disadvantage for them now they if they can get behind that big guy right but there it gets on on the on the situation right like in nogi <clears throat> i gotta i have there's a guy in front of me that's 340 ish i can't my feet don't fit into his hooks yeah so in nogi it's really difficult for me to maintain back control and you know yes i can seat belt but there are some guys that are so big that I'm seatbelting with my fingers. Yep. <laughs> I'm not seatbelt with a cable grip. So, you know, I'm like, this is this is not a good position for me to be in. Um, whereas in the gi, I can hit double unders on the lapels and I can, you know, ride the hips better. Like that, that's <clears throat> that's that's a much, you know, um, much easier situation. But I think that, um, you know, size absolutely does matter. And I think that, you know, somebody telling you, well, I wouldn't have got that if you were bigger or whatever. It's their awkward way of trying to make you feel better. I know. But it doesn't make you but feel it better. Does yeah. Yeah, it doesn't help at all. Just like when someone would ever say it, like, I've never said this, but if someone were to be like, well, you just got that because you were so big, or like, thanks for smashing me, or you know what I mean? And it's not like, it's, yeah. Big guys hear that all the time. I know. <clears throat> and little people hear I, I that. I try not to say that to, to, to bigger guys. They're like, oh, you're really strong. No, I, I just, I try to leave that alone because I get they, they hear it all the time. Yeah, I try not to too, but every now and then it slips out. Just because every now and then you grab somebody and you're like, "Oh my god, oh, they're shit. so, you're so strong." strong. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you grab people and you're like, "Yeah, like there was a, there was again, it was a black belt that was in here. And I, from life of me, cannot remember his name. I know that people were telling me his name because I brought it up a few times. And we're like, "No, that was so and so," and he was in here, super nice guy. And we were rolling, and I came around the side. I went to grab his arm couldn't move his arm and I was like this is my jam right this is this this position and this hookup and me putting my arm in here I slid my hand underneath I got his wrist I'm trying to move it and it is not it literally felt like I wrapped around a piece of steel mounted to the concrete and I am like what is going on and I look like man he must be grabbing a hold of his gi or his pants or something nothing he had his hand in a fist on his chest 
not grabbing his gi, not grabbing his rash, nothing. Just holding his hand right here pinned to his own body, and I couldn't move it. And I'm Damn. like, uh, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And so I had to go. So I had. So I had to go to. I had to. I had to try a bicep slicer because I was like, there's no way I'm. There's no way I'm separating this arm, right? So. Um, but you know that that's that's <clears throat> that's there's definitely people that I've grabbed a hold of where you're just like it slips out just because there's just, just so slips. much there's so much strength and power on the other side of that person. So how did you do this? How yeah. did that even yeah. come to be? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I get that. The, I mean, I've gotten the strong thing, and I feel like that they they leave out the for a little guy at the end of it. You know, <laughs> like I'm 153 pounds. I'm not like you know, yeah, I work out. But like, <laughs> well, for me, it all depends on what you looked at and what you expect when you start to roll with somebody, oh, yeah, right? Like, sure. yeah, <clears throat> like you know, people that stand up here, like Aaron. Aaron's one of those people um, that you know, I'm like, oh look, it's it's Aaron. She's got a smile on her face. Yeah. She's super nice, and, and you know, she, and yep. then she grabs a hold of you. You're like, like good oh, lord, shit. she's yep. so strong. <laughs> Why are your grips so hard? That's mom grips, guys. Mom grips, <laughs> it's hardcore. Yeah, mom strength is a thing. She apparently. Is amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I just, I never expected her to be that strong. Yeah. So. Yeah, no. That is, that's fun. But, well, regardless, I'm glad, okay, I am glad that we got to meet you in a much deeper level. But, I will say this. So, when I first started doing, when I first was interested in this at all, was before I met B, and I came up here for a boxing class. And I did it, and you were there, and you taught it. And I remember pool noodles were involved. Sweet. <laughs> it was a great class, Sounds like but a good I time. was just like financially not in a place where I could do literally anything extra. Right. So I was like, okay, but I loved it so much. So then, like as my life progressed, a couple of years later, um, B's cousin was like, oh, you wanna like you wanna do stuff like that? Like, I have someone who knows, and then he introduced us, and the rest is history. But then when we went to like, I think it was one of your first Chicago competitions. Open. That's what it was. And I saw you and I was like, I fucking know that guy. And then I was like, how do I know that guy? And I was like, oh, okay, I took a box. And then it kind of started clicking. And then I was like, that's so crazy. So I felt like no matter what, my life was destined to be somewhere in here. Sweet. Because I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> and then cool. B was here. And then it connected back. So. I, I have a... Uh, <clears throat> I, I do have a horrible time. I'm not. So my, my Taekwondo instructor, if he sees you one time, meets you one time, and then he doesn't see you for five years, he remembers your name. I would have been face. mortified if you were I I wish I've tried to get better <clears throat> when I meet someone one time that I try to remember them later, right? Like, um, but it's, it is so difficult. I, I have so much respect for people that are able to do that, or it's just a natural thing, yeah. right? Like, he meets hundreds of people throughout the year through Taekwondo, and he remembers everybody's name. Like, That's everybody. Yeah, he sees you one time, then he sees you again the next year, and he's like, hey, Mike, how's it going? How are things over in North Carolina? You know, he lives in Texas. He, I mean, he remembers where you're from. He remembers your name. Yeah, it's, 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 it is it is ridiculous. Even before, like, getting hit in the head a lot, I couldn't do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's gotten worse now that I'm older, but... <laughs> 
It doesn't get better, believe me. Yeah. I'm a little older than you are, right? Okay, Just so here we have to wrap up, but November, we're going to have you back for Native American Month. And Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. I'm disappointed we didn't talk about anything crazy, but I'm happy with the, that's, that's, that's We're saving well, it. I, I feel like month. we're going to have to do a part two because I know, like, because Sarah was like, what are we going to ask him? And I'm like, Jason's going to talk. Like, you know, <laughs> you know he's got stuff to say. I'm trying he didn't to. Have his phone and he stayed on topic. He did a great job. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to not talk that much. No, you did. No, it was you did great. A great job. Well, and your phone went off, and I was like, "You've got 25 years in martial it. arts, and, and we we tried to squeeze in an hour, you know. Yeah. So like, you know, it, one of these days we might have a better way we can upload podcasts and do more than an hour, maybe have a four hour Joe Rogan podcast. I have, but well, I'll, <laughs> I'll say I'll say about that since you brought up, you know, that I've done martial arts for a long time, and I will say really fast that. I regret, like in my life, I regret not starting martial arts earlier. I do too. I regret not wrestling through school because I didn't want to. I didn't want to wear a singlet, but now I'm like, ah, I was dumb, you know. But, but you know, at that time, you know, you're, you're my my first exposure to wrestling was junior high. Mm-hmm. That's a tough age to put on That's a singlet. A really That's hard a tough age. age. Like if you've been putting yeah. a singlet on since you were like five or six, yeah. you're used to it. It's yeah. not a big deal, right? But to but to go into seventh grade with all new people and be exposed to wrestling, like, hey, yeah. you should wrestle. And like, yeah. I gotta wear that. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah. But I regret not doing that. <clears throat> and. But, you know, I'm not a regretful type person. I'm like, you know, things work out the way they're supposed to be, and I'm, I, I couldn't be happier with my life and, and the direction and the people that I know. Um, but I have never met someone that um, did martial arts um, or wrestling or whatever, you know, um, but typically martial arts, and it's not style-specific, that did it as a kid or as a teenager or through their childhood and teenage years and then quit because of life, you know, um, dating and, and school and getting a job and stuff like that. <clears throat> I've never met any of them. And, and again, I've been doing this for a long time. Like, I'll, I'll run into, I'll, I'll go to a store and run into a, a 30-year-old guy that's like, Mr. Kessler. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and it's somebody that was, that left me when they were teenagers, you know, and I'm like, Lord, like oh, I've seen you in like fifteen years. You like, know, why are you eighteen? <clears throat> I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. Yeah, and uh, and so the uh, you know, but I've never met anybody that that stopped martial arts that didn't regret the fact that they stopped it. Right, like yeah. that every single person I've ever met that did martial arts, like I wish I would have stuck with it. And I think that you know my my PSA, I think for this thing, that if we're if we're throwing PSAs out there, go for it. Throw is. <laughs> is regardless of what academy you know or or art your kid is doing you know if you're a parent and you get your child into martial arts don't let them quit because they don't want to go for a few days or a few weeks if you if we all remember what it's like to be a kid it's basically like squirrel 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 right you just the next thing right and and when it's a decision from you know, your friend asked you to come over and play, and you're supposed to go to martial arts class. I was gonna say generic karate or jujitsu, whatever, right? But you're 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 supposed to go to you know karate class, and your your friend had asked you to come over and play. You absolutely want to go to your friends and play. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. But <clears throat> it's I think a lot a lot of a lot of parents, especially if they didn't train, don't understand the lifelong 
really deep and significant benefits of martial arts. Um, <clears throat> it, it's, it's, I, th I think that um, a lot of people don't understand it. And I think that for me, it's something that we don't really focus on either. Like, I don't preach it all the time. This is the first time you've ever really heard me say this. You know, it's not something that I talk to people about ever because I think that if it's, if it's really beneficial, you'll see the benefit on your own, yes. right? I don't yeah. think that you need to preach it. But, you know, we talk to parents that, well, you know, I'd really like for him to do it, but I don't want to fight him to come, you know? And it's like, well, you realize that your kid changes his mind every yeah so it's like you know to 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 let them decide long term what they're going to do you know it's like <clears throat> and i get it i mean I, I i understand when it comes down to finances and schedules and all the other kind of stuff that combines into well are we going to do this or not <clears throat> but when you bring your four-year-old into a martial arts class and he loves it and you're like, well, we're going to go home and talk to him about it. He's four. <laughs> you know, he, he, you, you don't ask him if he wants to go to school. Well, what are your thoughts on going to school? Like, right. do you want to do this or not? Do we right. wanna, you know, <clears throat> it, it, it's, it's, um, you know that it's beneficial for them. You know that it's something that will positively impact them. Get them involved, you know, and, and don't worry about... <clears throat> where the end is going to be because it would be great if it never ended but we all know realistically for most people it ends at some point um, whether it's early on or later don't worry about when it's going to end or, or how it's going to end <clears throat> but set an initial timeline for yourself at the beginning like i'll use my daughter as an example who started doing taekwondo at two still loves taekwondo to this day She's 19. <clears throat> she um, cannot test again until she's 21 because of age requirements um, for the black belt level that she's at. Um, she loves Taekwondo, um, and she is not very crazy about jiu-jitsu. Um, but I made her do jiu-jitsu, and I set a time frame out, um, and I made her do jiu-jitsu for about five years, twice a week. Nothing extreme, you know, and, and I was not her coach the majority of the time i'm a i'm a huge believer now we're going to get into other stuff and i know you're trying to wrap it up but i'm a huge believer that parents should not be coaches i 100 i think that parents are 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 the most important thing in a kid's life and it should not be muddled with other things no. right parents should be parents coaches should be coaches yes. and parents should let coaches coach and yes. coaches should let parents parent <clears throat> right so i think that that um you know but when it comes down to to that whole thing is just realizing that like this is a benefit and you're gonna you're gonna get your kids kid kid that benefit that's gonna stick with them forever so like i made madison do it for five years twice a week and there were times that she didn't want to come there were yeah. times that when i was teaching at that time her grandmother would be responsible for having to bring her and there were days that her grandmother would not bring her and uh she's like well she didn't want to come I don't care. Didn't ask. <laughs> twice a week. It's twice a week. That's it. If she doesn't want to go to school, we don't give her the option to stay at home, right? right? Exactly. It's twice a week, right? So make sure she's here. And, uh, you know, uh, she still doesn't have a love for it. You know, um, she'll pop in and do a jiu-jitsu class randomly every now and then and be like, yeah, that's good for the... It's, it's like eating at Long John Silver's. <laughs> I eat at Long John Silver's, and I'm like, you know, that's good for. I, I was craving that's it, enough for but I'm, I'm I'm good for about a year now, right? Like I I will not watch puppies and crunchies. Yeah, okay, I'm, I, good. I'm good for about a year, but 
you know, she she um, she did five years, and you know, when I when I play around with her, and I take her down, and we'll, we'll joke around and stuff. She immediately like gets on her side, gets her legs in, like right. she's she understands what she's supposed to do, right? <clears throat> and and that was my goal for it, and it's gonna stick with her forever, um, relationship wise. What she got out of martial arts came from the Taekwondo side of things, yeah, you know, sure, so because sure. it was something that she loved and stuck with. Yeah, no, I like oh, that yeah. idea of like we don't give them a choice for school, and also I think parents sometimes forget that they have the benefit of hindsight. You know, like you know, trust yourself that you know what's best for your child, and stop letting your child boss you. Right, I, that drives me bananas. But that's a whole nother podcast. So, like, I'll use an example. Hopefully, my parents don't hear this, which I'm sure they won't, but I'm just saying. Again, we reach a lot of evil. <laughs> uh, so, so, I played ice hockey from a very young age. I started at four, was learning how to skate and stuff, and, and uh, I was on a team at five. And um, You know, it, it, it was, um, I loved ice hockey. One of the biggest things I loved about ice hockey, though, was a lot of stuff about it but I love the fact that there were no dads coaching because where I'm from in Virginia no dads had ever played ice hockey <laughs> so nobody really knew understood how to play right so we had a local team that actually did it as a fundraiser for their for them like so they ran a youth hockey program and um, I was was pretty decent and I would I played on all-star teams and travel teams and stuff like that and I think the I can't remember exactly how old I was, but I want to say I was like nine. Um, I might have been ten. I can't remember. And I ended up on, we had two travel teams. I ended up on the travel team that I did not want to be on. And so I, I cried and whined and pouted and whatever until my dad called them and said, hey, he needs to be on the other team. And so they switched me over to the team. And I'm like, ha, I got on the other team. And looking back on that now, it was one of the worst things my dad could have done. You know, he should have been like, well, shit doesn't work out the way you want it to every time. Because in my opinion, what determines what type of person we are is how we handle the things that we don't like or yep. don't want. Yeah. Right? That's who determines who we are. That, that's, that's what determines who we are. So <clears throat> um, that's the only real big example I have in my life of that, though. So luckily it didn't happen all the time. Um, but but looking back on it now, it was definitely the, the the wrong move to make. I should have been taught a lesson that this is this is what team you're this on, is, and you're this gonna is the shit into the state, gonna, yep, deal with and it. You're gonna you're gonna stick it out, and that's what you're gonna do. So yeah, well, I think uh, I think you turned out okay. I mean, okay. <laughs> you did okay. Thank you did all right. <laughs> so, I, but I, but I, but I think, like I said, it's, it's just something that for me, you know, to wrap this up is just. I think that people really underestimate how much of a of a positive activity this can be for adults and for kids, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Like we've 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 got a guy right now who's so talented. Like he's he's an amazing kid, and uh, he turned eighteen. His uh, he his parents called to make sure he we weren't gonna charge him anymore, and I'm like, yeah, your 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 program's done, but. Um, isn't he going to keep going? Well, no, he's not really sure what's going on, what he wants to do, and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm trying to talk to her, trying to talk to her, and I found out was they just had said, well, we're not going to pay for it anymore. So you have to find your own way there, and you have to pay for it at 18 now. And so when I finally got a hold of him, 
he was seemed super devastated about the fact that he can't do jiu-jitsu. And he's like, no, I still love it. I'm still mentally trying to train. I'm still doing solo drills. <clears throat> and I was like, you know, I will be happy that he's very talented. I was like, I'll be happy to help you get back in here. And you can help coach kids. We can help you. You can help, you know, with things. We'll figure this out. But I want you back in training if it's what you want to do. And he's like, it's absolutely what I want to do. You know, <clears throat> and that's the one thing that I would, would, would say that even just because your kid turns 18 doesn't mean that all of a sudden magically like the benefit well well well, that the benefit goes away right like it's still you know positive activity and and, you know um you know trying to keep your kids in a positive activity whether they're little or big you know i think i think i think is important i mean we've got people that that call in to try to get a martial arts program for their son or grandson i'm like how old is your son well he's 24 (laughs) i'm like oh and he's not calling me (laughs) but but they're trying to help them with a positive activity well he's really busy i thought i'd help him out and i'm like well that's really nice you know so they're just trying to help him find a place to go oh yeah for sure thank you Uh, you're welcome i appreciate it yeah super fun so what's your instagram i don't know a4 defense? Is that what I So my actual so you guys use A4 defense all the time. That's the only one I have. But my my it's my Fisher's. Fisher's BJJ boxing with yes. no hyphens, underscores or nothing. So okay. Fisher's F I S H E R S and then BJJ boxing. The A4 defense, um, and again, <clears throat> just as a as a thing, A4 defense ended up being um, it's a self defense thing that I had done think I went and started working on it in about 1998 1999 um, <clears throat> and we kind of picked a direction and you know working on it and we're adding stuff to it and things like that and, um, a4 defense came around because I, I didn't want to um, I wanted to kind of expand out from what we had had been doing um, and make it our own brand so we had changed things slightly Um, And so that became what it was. Because before, I think initially it was um, adrenal stress uh, response. And then, you know, um, people would use like a fast defense. There's still a branch of that that uses fast defense. And so by that time, I I was not doing the exact program we had set out initially. Um, You know, but to give those guys a shout out. The guys I originally worked with back then were with Ramcat. Um, uh, Peyton Quinn and Bill Kip. Bill Kip, I know, still does it. <clears throat> um, he does the fast defense. Um, they're gr- they're great guys. Bill Kip is the one that makes the the gear, like the, so. I've got like the suit and everything, okay. and, and or at least he used to. I think he's got someone that does it for him now. But great guys, and that's that's the A four defense. So okay. when I go around and because I wanted to have a separate Instagram for that, because <clears throat> in my opinion, those things are very different, right? I think that jujitsu gives you self-defense i think the boxing gives you self-defense i think taekwondo gives you self-defense if you have the right instructor but self-defense training is different yeah mm-hmm. it's very different very different right okay we won't use that handle anymore <laughs> the other one i will only tag you <coughs> fisher's bjj you, you can you can either one is fine with me okay well thank you cool. november don't forget yeah november native american I'm all, month happy to everybody i'm all, I'm all about it <laughs> all right thanks guys thank you thank you